0: Sunday if you got a bible go to Luke chapter 1 Yes and I want to title this message divine disruptions divine disruptions There are disruptions that happen in our life and then there are divine disruptions There are moments in life where we feel like things just pop up out of nowhere and they disrupt our plans they disrupt our schedule they can mess with our day And then there are things that God sends into our life, and wrapped in that disruption is something divine, something supernatural, something that God's inviting us into. In Luke chapter 1, the story of Christmas is a story of divine disruptions. It says, when Herod was king over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and Zechariah had a wife named Elizabeth. And in verse six, it says they were good people. They were righteous people. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they followed God. They obeyed his commandments. They did everything right. But in verse eight, it says, but even though they did everything right, they still didn't have children. In verse seven, they didn't have kids. You know, you could do everything right and still have unanswered prayers. You can follow Jesus, you can give in the offering, you can help people, minister to the poor, and yet still have an area in your life where you're lacking, where you feel like God hasn't answered yet. Um, And it's a, a reminder that there's not enough good things we can do that can solve all of our problems in our life. Sometimes you need the supernatural, miraculous hand of God to supersede what we cannot do and what we cannot achieve or earn in our own strength. And while he was serving as a priest in the temple, so he had grown old, him and his wife. And it says, um, oh yeah, verse seven, it says they were both very old. So you, you decide what age that is. I'm not going to tell you what is very old, what's old, what's young. I think I'm still pretty young, but who knows, who knows what people think. As he was serving in the temple, uh, people were outside the temple. There was a big crowd that were waiting. So he was a pastor. He was a priest. He would read the word. He would go inside of the temple, oftentimes to offer a sacrifice for people's sins and this was right at the turning of the Old Testament into the New Testament there had been 400 years of silence between the last book of the Old Testament Malachi was that final book and then there's no talking from God for 400 years if people ask you know what's the last thing you heard from God they say we, we hadn't heard from God in hundreds of years we hadn't heard God speak there had been no prophets there had been no visions no dreams no visitations from God or angels And so Zechariah is here. He's serving in the temple. And while he was in the sanctuary, in verse 11, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord showed up. Boo. You know, and he just scared him. Just showed up right there. He was like, sneaky. Shows up right next to Zechariah. Zechariah, in verse 11, says he was terrified. He was so afraid. Fear fell upon Zechariah. He didn't know what to do. Everybody say divine disruption. All right, so Zechariah was doing something. He was doing what he normally does. He was going about his order, his schedule, his plans, his day. He was doing his priestly duty and God disrupts it. He disrupts the whole situation. And then the angel speaks to him. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. I think that's a word for 2023 going into 2024. A world that is shouting fear a world that is shouting strife and division, a world that's telling you to pick sides, a world that's telling you that things are gonna get worse in the economy and worse in situations and there's gonna be more wars and there's gonna be more genocide, there's gonna be more pain. In these times, it's very easy to get afraid. It's very easy to worry. It's very easy to feel like you're all alone. But the angel said to Zachariah, and I believe he's speaking it to you today, he's disrupting your fear and he's saying, do not be afraid for the Lord is with you. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now, hold up. If I was a DJ, this is where I'd be like whoop I would disrupt the thing, right? Because Elizabeth is very old. Zachariah is very old. In his mind, he's thinking, you're telling me you've heard my prayer? I've been praying for decades. I've been praying for 50 plus years. We're in our late 70s, we're in our early 80s. You're telling me we're now gonna have a child? When we wanted a child when we were 20, 25, 30, maybe 40, but you're saying we're, we're, we're getting pregnant now in our 80s? What are you talking about, right? Zachariah's got to be thinking it's a little too late. We've missed our window. Or, are you sure this doesn't seem like the right time? You're about to disrupt everything. We're trying to retire right now, and you're telling us we're going to be changing diapers? Right? So he's thinking about this. He says, Elizabeth's going to be pregnant, and you will call this baby John. This baby has a plan. This disruption has a plan. It has a purpose. He says, this divine disruption in verse 14, this baby will bring you great joy. This baby will bring you gladness. And many people will rejoice at the birth of John for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe God is raising up a John the Baptist generation that is drunk on the Holy Spirit, filled with an anointing that is from heaven, he will turn many of the children of Israel back to God. In other words, he's going to be a revivalist. He's going to bring people who are far from God back home. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. You know, you think about disruptors in the business industry. Uh, that when, when Steve Jobs brought in the iPhone, it was a disruptive invention, right? It changed the way people thought about cell phones. Because before, before that, you know, the most like... Technologically advanced cell phone was the Blackberry. You guys remember the Blackberry? And before the Blackberry, it was like these huge, massive. Flip phones, or they they weren't even a flip phone. My mom had one of these in her car with a cord connected to it. Y'all remember these? And it was like, that was, you were like, you were really ahead of your times. You were like back to the future, Marty McFly. It was, but when Steve Jobs brought the iPhone and it had like a camera and music, and all of a sudden we thought cell phones aren't supposed to have all this. And it was a disruptor. What the angel was telling Zacharias, your baby is gonna be a disruptor. He's going to be a disruptor in the industry of how people think about God. He's going to be a disruptor in how people approach God. He's going to turn people back to a heart of repentance, back to the Lord. This baby is going to change the way that people treat each other. He's going to get families reconciled. He's going to bring kids back to their father, back to their fathers and mothers. He's going to call those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. and Zechariah, the pastor, the priest, when he hears this sermon. He literally doesn't believe it. He says, how can I be sure that this dream, this disruption is actually going to happen? You say these things are gonna happen, but don't you know I'm an old man now and my wife is very old, he said. He said, that was his words. And the angel says, all right, you wanna talk about reasons why this can't happen? You wanna talk about excuses why this disruption can't happen? I am Gabriel, Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring this good news to you. It was him who sent me with this message. Behold, because you don't believe, you will be mute. You will lose your voice. When you don't start speaking faith, you stop. You really oftentimes start really losing. You start losing the voice that God gave you when you don't know how to speak the words as a believer I think about this, this is so true that God, He will either, in this case, hold you back from saying things that you are saying, because what Zechariah was doing, he was talking himself out of the blessings of God. He was canceling the prophetic word over his life, and God didn't want that to happen. When God has a prophetic word for you, He doesn't want you to get in the way of you. So sometimes He'll. He'll do things to help stop you from canceling what he's trying to do in your life. In this case, he muted Zachariah so that Zachariah wouldn't keep on talking himself out of the promise. The angel said, it's going to happen, but you won't be able to talk until it happens. Because I don't want your words getting in the way of my future for you and Elizabeth. So all of a sudden, Zachariah loses his voice. When he leaves the temple, people start asking him questions. He can't talk. He's trying to motion. He's doing sign language. And all of a sudden, the people realize something supernatural has just occurred. Something has disrupted the sanctuary. Something has disrupted Zechariah's life. And we won't know until it's fulfilled what it exactly is. In that moment, Elizabeth became pregnant. When Zechariah came home, she went into seclusion for five months. She said, how kind God is is, that he thought of me, that he remembered me, that he's about to uh, take away my disgrace. God is about to disrupt your disgrace. God is about to disrupt your sickness, your condition, your disappointment, your depression, your discouragement. God's about to disrupt your sense of where is God? He's about to show up suddenly with favor and with hope. I just sense it. I feel like Christmas is a reminder that the promises of God are still true today for those of us, even those who are like the priest, Zechariah, who say, I don't think it could happen. Even for the doubters, the skeptics, and the cynics, God still has a purpose. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Let us leave this room, God, with a greater sense of faith and anticipation that you still have promises to fulfill in us, for us, through us, for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you so much, Israel. I want to make this message short and sweet. So the more you say amen, the faster we get out of here. Now don't get carried away. Don't just start shouting amen every second. All right. I I, I got five points, so we're going to go fast. But I believe the first point we see in this story is that we have to hear. Everybody say hear. Hear the divine disruption. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right, So the first step in allowing a divine disruption to occur in your life is to hear it. And you say, Paul, how am I supposed to hear it? I've never heard God speak to me audibly. You hear it by listening to the word of God. You are in the room today listening to a divine disruption. Boo. He's here. Let me be the angel Gabriel for a second in your life. What did Gabriel do? Gabriel disrupted what Zachariah was thinking and feeling in his heart and in his mind. He was thinking, my time is up. I'm going into my final stages of life. God didn't answer my prayers. It's not possible. My wife will never get pregnant. She's a barren woman. It's not going to happen. And what did Gabriel do? Gabriel came with a better word. Gabriel came with an announcement that favor is showing up at your house. Gabriel came. He interrupted, really, he disrupted the older generation. I got a word for the older generation in the room today. Where's my older generation friends and family in the house? Come on. I think we should be proud of our age. I think we should celebrate our age. The older you get, the wiser you get. Life gets better as you age, right? Come on. Someone told Peter Pan that the greatest adventure of all is growing up. I think it was windy. But the point is this. The angel, before the angel shows up to the younger generation, before the angel talks to a teenage girl named Mary, everybody always focuses in on Mary for the Christmas story. But before he talks to Mary, he shows up to an older couple, he shows up to an older generation. He says the world is waiting for the older generation to take their place of faith and miracles and walking in the promises of God. I don't think it's a coincidence that the last few presidents have been some of the oldest presidents. I think our nation needs some strong, older, wise presidents who don't care what everyone else thinks, who are ready to make some decisions. Here's what I'm trying to say, older generation. Don't count yourself out. Don't say, I'm too old for God to use me. I'm too old for God to do something fresh through me. I'm too old for God to do a miracle in my life. You're never too old, and you're never too young, and you're never too late, and you're never too messed up, and you're never too unqualified, and you're never too unworthy. And you might say, Paul, I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too messed up. I come come from the wrong family. But when you hear the divine disruption, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call the people that everyone else was like, hey, Mary's the greatest candidate for the Son of God to come through. No, 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 Mary was engaged to be married. Mary had plans. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had grown old. They had kind of let go of that. They had placed it on the shelf. They had forgotten about the dream of children. They had let go of that. They had become content in their dis- discontentment. They had become content in their disappointment. And yet God says, dust that off the shelf I'm bringing dreams back into your life that you haven't thought about in 50 years. I'm bringing some miracles that you prayed for and you asked for in 1996, but because it didn't happen, you gave up on it, but I'm bringing it back in 2024. God's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. There's more in store. You thought it was over. The story is just getting started. The story is just, somebody say, my story is just getting started. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. God's looking for people who will say yes. God's more attracted to your brokenness than he is your success. God's more attracted to your weakness than he is your strength. Your weakness is an invitation for his power to move. God's not looking for powerful men and powerful women and people who are so strong and so charismatic and so amazing. He's looking for people who know they need help. People who know they need a savior. People who feel lowly in the eyes of other people. He looks upon the lowly and he lifts them up. And when he disrupts people, he disrupts them with a better word. When God sent the angel Gabriel and all the angels to the shepherds, and those shepherds had been working out in the fields, they had been working all during the night, they were getting ready to fall asleep. By the way, let's define disruption. What is a disruption? The definition of a disruption is a major interruption to one's plans, one's order of things, one's schedule, or one's sleep. Talk about a disruption... When those angels showed up in the middle of the night, those, those shepherds were about to fall asleep and those angels went, glory to God in the highest, right? And it was like bright, it was loud, it disrupted their sleep, it disrupted their plans as shepherds. It was a disturbance to their normal, uh, normalcy, right? It just threw them all off. But what did they say? They said, what this disruption holds is good news and great joy for all people. Peace on earth, God is not disrupting your life to bring you depression, discouragement, fear, shame, uh, more battles that you're gonna have to fight. He's disrupting your life with a better word. He's disrupting your life with a better narrative. He's changing the script. He's changing the playlist. I was in the car with my kids this past week, and I accidentally hit repeat. Maybe I I hit it on purpose, because I really liked the song. And I, I hit repeat and I forgot that I'd hit repeat and it had been playing the same song 10 times in a row. We were sitting in traffic for about 30 minutes. Finally, Liam goes, Dad, this is the 10th time we've listened to, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Can we please change the song? And I was, I was like, hey, my bad. I got stuck on the song. I, I hit repeat, it's, been, it's my fault. He goes, can you just change the song? And so I did, we changed the song. And I feel like God is listening to some people today who've been asking for the song to change. You've been asking for a different narrative. God's saying, that's what I came to bring, a better song, a better narrative, a better script for what's happening in your life. In John 1, verse five, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. When God said, let there be light in Genesis one, it was darkness and chaos. And God disrupts the darkness by saying, Let there be light, and light shines in the darkness, and here's what God does. He disrupts the darkness of our sin. For someone in the room today, you've been struggling in addictions and habits and going back to old sins, and you swear you're not going to sin again, and then you do And you go, what what, what do I do? Jesus came to disrupt the cycle of sin, the darkness of sin to bring freedom, forgiveness, and salvation. And it's still available today. Jesus came to disrupt the darkness of your fear. There's always that, that feeling, that worry, that panic that anxiety that tries to stir up in the inside of you when you hear things on the news or you hear people talking about worse times coming or things that are happening but Jesus disrupts the darkness of fear and he brings faith Jesus disrupts the spirit of shame for someone in the room you haven't sinned lately but you're still holding on to old mistakes you're still holding on to old sins that you you've already been forgiven but for whatever reason The enemy has been beating you up with shame and regret and you just feel so angry at yourself for the past mistakes you've made. Maybe it's not even sin. Maybe it's just poor choices. You say, I, I wish I wouldn't have spent that money on that thing. I wish I wouldn't have trusted that partner. I wish I wouldn't have done that thing. That, I, I, I'm so ashamed of myself. And the Lord told me to tell you, he's disrupting your shame. He's bringing grace to you today. He's bringing freedom to you today. Come out of that shame. He's disrupting your hurt today. Some of you have been holding on to hurt. You've been holding on to bitterness. Hear the word of the Lord. He's disrupting you with healing today. He's disrupting you with forgiveness today. He's disrupting you with, with heartbreak healing today. When he came to Zachariah, he was disrupting Zachariah and Elizabeth's hopelessness. They had felt hopeless when it came to childbearing, but Jesus came to bring hope. He was disrupting some of the people that he came to the spirit of selfishness. He was bringing love. For some people in the room, we've been so focused on ourselves. You know, when I was a little boy, my parents, they said, we're going to go and bless some families with presents this year. This was before the Dream Center was built. In the early 90s, our family, we used to go to different places around Tulsa where there was um, really a, a lot of poverty, and people, there was homelessness, all kinds of different stuff. There still is today. Our church still goes in those places, but I remember as a kid, we would go there, and we would go to certain areas where the Dream Center now is, and this one time, we had, our family had just lost everything. We'd gone through a house fire. All of our stuff got burned in that fire, and my mom and dad said people in the church had given us some gifts because they felt bad for our family. After we went through that house fire, people blessed us with toys and with clothes. And when my dad lost his clothes, my mom said it was a good thing. His clothes needed to burn. She, she was like he needed some new suits. He had been wearing the same old stuff. But people blessed us. And so then our parents were like, we're gonna give some of these blessings away because it's too much and you guys don't need all these Power Rangers toys. So we started going downtown. We started bringing these gifts to different families. And on the way down there, I still remember John and I, as brothers, we would fight. We would get into so many like little petty arguments. We'd start hitting each other, punching each other. Then we would get out and bring our presents to people. and We were like, God loves you. We're just good little Christian boys, you know. We weren't. We weren't demons, but they thought we were angels. We weren't angels. We were just boys. And the thing that I just wanna remind someone today is God's not looking for perfect families to move through. He's just looking for families that are willing to say yes. God wants to disrupt whatever's happening in your life and use you to be a disruptor of his hope to somebody else. Number two, believe the divine disruption. Don't just hear it, but believe it. Zachariah questioned it. He said, how could this happen? I'm too old. My wife's too old. And the angel said, because you don't believe, you're going to lose your voice for a little bit. Now he gets it back. He gets it back. But sometimes we get in the way of the promises and the breakthrough and the miracles because we get into this place of trying to reason and logic and deconstruct God's word. I think it's time to stop the deconstruction And start the reconstruction to get back into the word of faith, to start believing what God says, to let the dreams of God grow on the inside of us, to stop questioning every little thing. If you live your whole life as a cynic, questioning everything, where will faith ever grow? And you go, Paul, why do I need faith? All I need is logic and intellect. And and yet that is not the answer. Because Solomon, the king, he studied intellectual ideas his whole life, and he became miserable in his intelligence. He said, I studied so much, I read every book, studied every religion, and I lost my joy for life. It wasn't until I came back to the fear of God and faith in God with the uncertainty that I discovered joy again. There is something about faith in uncertain things that stirs up a spirit of joy, hope, and peace. It's, it's trusting in God. It's believing that the promises of God are not just for someone else, but they are for you too. When the angel came to Mary, the angel said, Behold, the favor of God is on you. He said, greetings. The favor of God is on you. You have found great favor with God. The Lord is with you. You need to believe that God's favor is not just for Mary, not just for Zachariah, but his favor is for you too. The angel wasn't saying the favor will come someday when you get your act cleaned up, when you start acting better, when your kids stop fighting with each other. No, no, no. He said the favor is on you now, even in your dysfunctional family, even with your problems, even with your kids fighting the favor of God. is. Somebody say, I got the favor. I got God is with me. I need to believe that. Sometimes we question that because we feel like we're unworthy or our family's not enough or we haven't done enough. Even the priest Zachariah, the pastor of the church, he had a hard time believing that God's favor was there. He had a hard time trusting and believing. Number three, receive the promises of God in your heart. Don't just hear the divine disruption. Don't just believe it, but receive it. Imagine if I sent you something from Amazon, something you've been waiting for. If I could get on your watch, you know, what what you're waiting for, your waiting list, the thing you've been looking at on Amazon, the thing you've been, some of y'all are like, you don't want to see what I've been looking at on Amazon. Okay. But if you had a wish gift list and I said, hey, we're going to take care of the biggest item on there. And some of you are like, "That's, that's a little too much, Paul. But what if we did what if we did, what if we found it and we said, we're gonna take care of it. And what if we sent it to your address and the Amazon truck delivery guy, he brings it to your house, knocks on the door and you go look at that door and you see that huge box and you see what it is. You see the description on the box and you see from Paul, from victory. And you look at it and that Amazon driver, he just says, it's right here. He, he drives off, but all you do is you leave that box outside your door and you stare at it. You say, I don't think that's for me. I don't think that's for us. I don't think we can receive that. I don't think we've done enough. I don't think we've earned that. How many people are looking at the promises of God in Scripture, but they won't open the door and open up the box? It's still sitting under the Christmas tree. It's like we don't feel like it's ours to open up. Mary, when she heard the angel, watch this, when the angel shows up to Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends the same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, pledged to be married to Joseph. Talk about a disruption. Gabriel comes and says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused, disturbed, disrupted, Mary looks at the angel and says, "Uh, what do you mean? And the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen since I do not know a man? In other words, she said, I'm a virgin, And I don't have the the connection with the man yet for this conception to happen. I need a man for this to happen. And I want you to just kind of spread that idea out for a second. So often we're looking for people to make things happen in our life when God says, I don't need a man to do what I said I'm going to do through you. I don't need a board to vote on it. I've already chosen you, Paul. I don't need these people to agree. When God picks you, he doesn't consult all your critics. He doesn't consult everyone else. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can believe it. You and God are the majority. When you partner with God, see, the angel was saying, Mary, it's not going to happen because of someone's approval or validation of you. It's not going to happen because you're in the right partnership with a guy. It's going to happen because the Lord has chosen you. The angel said, I came to make you aware of what's already inside you. I came to remind you what God has already put inside you. I came to activate the dreams and the gifts and the plans and the purpose of what God has already put inside you. I just want to speak over someone today. There is so much more inside you than meets the eye. God has so much more potential inside you, so much more future inside you, so much more greatness inside of you. And the seed that was inside of Mary was a prophetic word. 350 prophecies in the Old Testament declared what would happen in the New Testament. Every single prophecy was fulfilled through Jesus. There is not a religion in the world that has as many prophecies stretched out over thousands of years that are fulfilled thousands of years later. Buddhism doesn't have it. Hinduism doesn't have it. Atheism sure doesn't have it. Christianity is the only religion that actually is backed up factually with stories and written by Isaiah the prophet, Nehemiah, David, Daniel, Solomon, Samuel, Micah, Habakkuk, Malachi. I'm telling you, if you ever question if this book is true, just look at the prophetic fulfillment of the Messiah when he came. When he came, he fulfilled. They said he would be born in Bethlehem. How would they know that thousands of years ago? They said he would be born of a virgin. How in the world would this happen? Doesn't make sense to man's logic and reason, but God does it. It was a divine disruption. It changed the way people thought how God would move and what God would do. God's power is going to, this is what the angel tells Mary. She says, how will this happen? The angel says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of the most high will do what you cannot do. When someone in the room says, I'm too old, God says, I'm gonna do what you think you cannot do in your old age. When someone says, I'm too poor, God says, I'm gonna make you rich. When someone says, I'm too weak, how's this gonna happen? The Holy Spirit's gonna make you strong. The Holy Spirit is gonna do what, and then he says this, what's more is that your relative Elizabeth has already become pregnant in her old age. People who used to say she was barren But now she's conceived a son and is in her sixth month. for nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. Come on, give God praise. I want the band to come out. (laughs) Mary said this. She said, may it be unto me according to your word. She says, behold, the the maidservant of the Lord, let it be. In other words, she said, I surrender. I receive it. Somebody said, I receive it. Number four, I'm almost done. Be a divine disruptor for other people and surround yourself with divine disruptors. Once Mary had received this divine disruption, it says she hurried to the hillside to the town where Zachariah and Elizabeth lived. She had to get around someone else who was in the middle of a divine disruption. When you're going through a transition phase in your life and you're trying to figure out who do I talk to because God's doing something in me and it may not make sense to the people who are closest to me, She said, I got to get around someone that God is doing something fresh in as well. And so she came to the house of Elizabeth and at the sound of Mary's greeting, she's knocking on the door. When Elizabeth opens the door, the child inside of Elizabeth leaped, started doing somersaults on the inside. You see, when you get around people of faith... When you get around people who believe that God has more in store for you, when you get around people who say, your best days are still in front of you, Paul. I know you walked through pain. I know you've been through trials, but God is not finished with you yet. When you get around people who believe that God is not finished with you, something on the inside starts leaping because someone believes what you believe deep down inside, even though you question it sometimes. When, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, I don't know how long it had been since she had felt a kick from John. I don't know how long she had, she had been waiting since that baby had kicked the last time. But something about Mary's greeting made Elizabeth filled with joy. It says that the baby leaped inside her and the baby was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, there was something about her greeting that stirred up faith. This is what we need to be for other people around us. This is what we need to be. You know, during um, uh, Ashley and I, we, we had three boys back to back to back to back. We got five kids. But when we first had Liam, it was really exciting. He was our first son. Then we had Beniah, Then we had Mac. And um, those three boys, Ashley, I mean, she was a champion. Going, just each of those boys, they, they were, and, and then they would jump on my back. They were routed. They're still like wrestling boys. They're getting, they, they are boy boys. They're, and she said, you want one more? I was like, man, I'm feeling pretty content with three right now. This feels like plenty for us to try to handle. I mean, we're, we're two on three. It's, it's you know, a zone defense with these three boys. But God surprised us and gave us a girl, Princess Ellie. That was number four. It was so special to have a girl after three boys. I was like, yes, it's complete. We're even numbers. We can all ride on the roller coaster with a partner. You know, that's how I think in my mind. I'm like, six, that's the perfect number. Two parents, four kids, we got this. It's all, and it's gonna be tough. Like we're, we're, we're with four kids, we're all out in the water. We're just trying to keep each other afloat here. Um, and then COVID hit, and COVID was a disruption to the whole world. When COVID-19 hit, it disrupted the business industry. It disrupted churches. It disrupted families. It disrupted education, schools. Everybody was trying to figure out, what do we do? This thing has disturbed our sleep and our schedule and our plans. And we don't know what to do. This, is, this doesn't feel like a divine disruption. COVID felt like a, like a satanic disruption to our world. But the church pivoted and we saw God move. And we started doing outdoor services and rooftop revivals. And we gave 16 million bags of groceries to people who were hungry across the Midwest. As a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we partnered with Farmers to Families, Ivanka Trump. They sent the whole group here. The White House was helping victory as we were ministering to people with, with major needs because they heard our church wasn't shutting down. We were doing something with faith. We were bringing hope and healing to a lot of people. Groceries in the gospel. and Thousands of people got saved. It was exciting. But if I'm honest, I was stressed. We have 400 staff members because... We have 200 staff members just in our school. Our school is the largest private Christian school in the city, 1200 students. It's ministering to so many families and a lot of teachers and substitutes and coaches and all people. And then we got the Dream Center staff and then Camp Victory staff and then Victory College staff and the church. And I was overwhelmed. I was like, okay, four kids, rooftop revivals, COVID-19, don't get sick, uh, uh, don't get arrested by the mayor. Uh, make sure you try to wear a mask as often as you can in the places that you need to wear the mask. And and then. Make make sure that we don't have to lay off staff. And I was, I was battling it. In fact, I talk about it in my new first book, Mind Games, y'all. This is a little plug for the book. Uh, This is my first ever book, 236 pages. I talk about just walking through all kinds of struggles in the mind and uh, everything from fear and panic and worry and depression, all that kind of stuff and what God did. And I talk about the COVID story in this book, what our church did and what we walked through behind the scenes. And um, this comes out January 9th. This is a great Christmas present to get your family and friends. We're gonna have more of these in the bookstore. Right now you could pre-order it, but that's my plug for the book. Let me say something though. During that time, I was overwhelmed and the Lord was giving us grace and peace and we were getting through it. And I was like, okay, I can't handle one more thing. We've got enough on our plate. And I remember when Ashley came home, December of 2020, and she said, "Uh, surprise, we're pregnant with number five. It felt like that, y'all. I think I fainted. And I love children. I really do. Gianna, if you ever watch this, just know your daddy loves you, okay? I just, we weren't ready for it. I, I just was, uh, it was just a lot. I, like, I literally started crying. I was like, God, why is this happening? I had a panic attack. Like, I just was like, what are we going to do? And how are we going to take care of all these kids? And uh we were just getting to the end of changing diapers with Ellie, and I was looking forward to no more diapers in the house. I don't know why that's a big deal to me, but I was like, and then now we don't have a partner for her on the roller coaster. Now we got odd numbers. We don't have six, and we got seven now. And As if six was the greatest number, but seven is the best number in the Bible. But I was having my pity party, all right? I was, I was going down my spiral of, of disruptive. It was a disrupt disruption uh, to our schedule and our sleep. But when Gianna came, God gave us a word that Gianna was gonna bring grace into our family. So we named her Gianna Grace Doherty. But she brought so much grace she was born the same year that Ashley's mom went to heaven. And what Gianna is to our family now, I can't imagine our family without that fifth baby. Like Gianna brings a whole lot of joy and laughter and she is energy to the max, but it is, you know, sometimes things happen in your life and it's a disruption, but it's the best thing for you. It'll save you. God will use the thing that was sent to disrupt you in some way to save you and to bring you back to a place, wake you up in some good ways and bring you back to a place of surrender and trust in him and remembering that you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this without him. You know, I think about how there's people in my life who've been a divine disruptor of hope when I felt hopeless during that same time. And, and I remember actually something I share in my book is there was a time um, 10 or 11 years ago where I was really depressed, discouraged. I don't know, I just let the enemy beat me up and, and I got this text message. It was a disruptive text message. It came to me at about 10 30 p.m. from a pastor of a very large amazing thriving church and um, he just said Paul I know you're going through it but I just want you to know your birthday's coming and I was like what (laughs) and he told me who it was and I was like how'd you get my number and how do you know that my birthday's coming it wasn't coming for like another five months he's like I'm not talking about your physical birthday He said, I'm telling you that spiritually, God's about to surprise you with a breakthrough, with favor, and you're gonna get through this and it's gonna be greater than you can imagine. And God's not finished with you. God's not finished with victory. Your family, your best days are right in front of you. And he just started speaking this encouragement in the middle of a dark time. It was like light shining in the darkness. He was a disruptor of my own hopelessness. I think God wants to send you as a Gabriel angel this week to send a text message, make a phone call, to reach out to someone, to surprise someone with encouragement, someone who feels discouraged. Yesterday I was at the gas station and I carry these cards with me. These are invite cards. They're on the back of your chair. Grab a couple of these if you don't mind. Just take 10 or 12 or take three or four. Put them in your wallet, your purse, your back pocket. These are victory invite cards. I was at the gas station yesterday and this lady behind the cash register just looked discouraged. And I said, ma'am, you doing okay? She was like, I'm all right. Just can't wait to get off work. And I said, "Uh, what are you doing for Christmas Eve? She said, I don't know. My husband and I and kids, we'll just just be watching TV, just staying home. And I said, you should come to church. She was like, really? I was like, yes. You know, Christmas time, people are more willing to come to church at Christmas time than most any uh, week of the year, because Christmas reminds them of Jesus, reminds them of the need of Jesus in their life, reminds them of it's a new year that's coming. It's the end of the year. They're just willing to come. There's there's been a research out there, 62% of formerly church people are open to attending church regularly again around Christmas time. They're willing to come back and keep coming back into the new year. 58% simply feel it's time to come back. We're calling all the prodigals back home again. 41% say they would come to church if a friend invited them or even an acquaintance, even if you're not close, bring them an invite card. 35% would return if they knew there were people who had sinned like them who went to church. Any sinners that have been saved by a savior in the room today? Every saint was once a sinner and every sinner has a future to be a saint. But when I told this lady at the gas station, I said, you should come to Christmas Eve. We're going to have candlelight. We're going to do communion. It's going to be a beautiful time. Sing carols, be about an hour and 10 minute service. She said, yeah, that sounds nice. I would love that. I, I want to come. I said, ne- next week, come Saturday or five, Saturday at five or Sunday nine or 11. She said, thank you. Thank you for that invite. I'm reminded every week that there are people in our city who need church. They need God. They need hope. They need an invite from you. And when we do that, we are divine disruptors to the darkness that people are facing. Here's my last point right here. Number five, worship while you wait for the divine disruption to be fulfilled. Worship while you wait. When Mary found out she was gonna have a baby, the next thing she did after talking to Elizabeth, she began to worship. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has seen my lowest state. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He is worthy. He has done great things. He has done great things for me. He's doing great things for me. He shows mercy from generation. Come on, stand to your feet. From generation to generation. When God opened Zachariah's mouth after John the Baptist was born, the first thing Zachariah began to do was worship the Lord. He said, praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent a mighty savior. He has redeemed the covenant that he swore to His our ancestor Abraham. We've been rescued from our sin. We've been rescued from our darkness for the righteousness of God has come to his people. He's giving light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, He's guiding us on the path of peace. Mary said, the Lord is with his servant Israel. He has remembered his mercy. He has remembered his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Y'all, there's something that happens when we begin to worship. I just feel to end this service with worship, would you just close your eyes all over this place? We're gonna worship God for a few minutes and then we'll dismiss. But I, I believe you came here today to have an encounter with God, a divine disruption. Some of you have been walking through it. You have been going through some stuff that you just need God to disrupt. You've been going through some discouragement, some depression, some fear, some anxiety, some shame, some sin, some stuff you've just been going through in your family, in your health. It's like the enemy has just launched battle and assault after assault. But today, the Lord is sending a divine disruption. The angel is speaking, do not be afraid. Lift your eyes to heaven. Look to where your help comes from. Remember to worship while you wait for the promise to be fulfilled. If you're here today and you need God to touch your heart, your life, you need that promise of God, you need a miracle, a breakthrough, a divine disruption, I want you to raise your hand all over this place, hands going up from the front to the back. I'm gonna ask you to just leave your seat as we worship. Come down to the altar, come join me. Husbands, wives, single people, young adults, young professionals, grandparents, whatever age you are, whatever season of life you're in, Come down to the altar. Today is a day for you to lift your eyes to heaven, to worship while you wait for your breakthrough, to worship while you wait for God to move in and through your life. Lamar, would you just lead us in that song? Let's worship the Lord. If you need to surrender to Jesus, come down to the altar. If you need to get right with the Lord, come down to the altar. You are born.
1: being is possible In God, my savior.
0: this together. Say, Jesus, I trust in you. You will never fail. You are good. You gave your life for me on the cross. I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. God, I receive your promises. I believe in them. That you are true. Your promises are true, and they're for me. So, Lord, I trust in you, and I embrace whatever you're going to do, whatever you are doing in me, for me, through me, for your glory. Have your way. I surrender. Nothing is impossible. I believe you can do all things. So I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.